So let's talk about, uh, we're still in the middle of a paragraph over here, page 214, the top of page 214. We're talking about a person has to know themselves, has to know exactly how to, not to make yourself suffer, but to understand how to make certain limitations, how to, be, to create uh, boundaries for yourself that lead eventually to a person being happier, more fulfilled, and ultimately will do, will do tshuva and live a better life. A person, everybody's able to know within himself how to limit himself according to his own particular needs and really at the top of all levels the top of all concepts of precautionary measures top of page 214 is that a person should be very careful not to look upon things that don't belong to you page 214 top of page 214 if a person is mamayit, minimizes the amount that what they look upon, the things that don't belong to them. Nikrat sanua baishan. Such a person is considered to be someone who is, who is sanua, who is modest. Or baishan, someone who has a sense of shame, a sense of just a certain fine kite, as they say in Yiddish, of being more proper, more, more understandable of, of life. You know, I, I'm not going to say exactly which areas because I don't want to speak Lashon Hara, but I live, in, I live currently now in Sedej Bacharet. I used to live in a, in a different part of Yerushalayim, not so far away from there, but in a, what we call a much more wealthier area. Okay. Before that point, I lived in like in between these two places, in a pl- place that's considered more, more wealthy. That, you know, the rent there is absolutely insane. So Sedej Bacharet, where Baruch Hashem, I consider it the last like real ghetto left in, a, in the entire universe. And then in, I lived in this place in between. And this place in between had a, had a shared, had a shared like, you know, a group between the chavr that came from one side and the chavr that came from the other because they couldn't find apartments in either place. They ended up in the middle, right? So I lived over there for a long time, right? So I lived there for like nine years. In that area, you had some people that had a car. Some people didn't have a car. You know, Baruch Hashem, in Eretz Israel, having a car is like already a luxury, should be luxury. Literally, they tax you. <clears throat> it's getting, yeah, it's definitely changing, but talking about at least 10 years ago, it was like really a luxury. So if somebody had it, we, there was a, like a sense of like shame in our, in, uh, uh, not shame I should say, but a sense of like sensitivity towards others being like, I don't want to draw attention that I have it. So like the Dafka wouldn't get like a nice car. I know it's one particular situation where a family was, was, offered, uh, was offered by their, finally, after so many kids, they needed, you know, the, the amount of times you have to go to take this kid to this cheder, to, to this, this, this girl to the Vizak over here. And okay, anyways, so a family member had offered to them a certain amount of money to buy a car. And that, the amount of money that was offered to them, they could have bought like a nice, new, brand new model. But the family said, we don't want that attention. A car, fine, we'll have. It's already, you know, it's already way above and beyond. It's already, just having a car is already too much. But, so they bought, <laughs> so they bought a 10-year-old car that was beat up. And the, and the, the husband told me, he said, he Dafka found a car that although the engine was perfect and fine, but it was uh, Oiska clap. It was Oiska clap, Really, believe me, it was, you know, it, it received a lot of love from, a lot of love taps from whoever was there before. So that's a sense of shame. Because why? The community, because it was a shared sense of, yes, we need a car, right? Where the more wealthy people would, would be willing to get a car. So for some of them, in living in the real, really rich areas, they wouldn't even think two, two seconds. What's the big deal? You know, I used to, when I lived in, later on, when I had to take an apartment in that actual area, People are driving Lexuses and BMWs. Some people are driving Mercedes. People living in Villa, Villa Park. Again, I'm Fargin. Listen, there's something called Farginning. Fargin means, you know, Hashem runs the world. That's their cheshman. That's their job. They're living their life. 
But because we lived in the middle and you had also from the, the, the what we call the, the less ostentatious area, so then having any car. So you found like this beautiful balance between, okay, we got a car, but, we get a, but we're not going to get the fanciest car. But then later I moved into the other area, like I mentioned, and people are getting the newest models, Toyota, you know, the Toyota Sienna 2023, and has sensors on every, like, mom shushpits, and blind heart for any of them. If they have it, they need it, that's what they need. But I started noticing with myself, right? I started noticing with myself. Oh, I wish I had this. Oh, I wish I had that. I would tell my wife, I said, I, I used to enjoy Shabbos walks, just going around walking around the neighborhood, because, uh, you know, it's a good, to get a good spazir, to get a nice walk, it's the best. But when I, when I started doing it in this new area, you start walking past all these villa apartments. Each one of them, every single one of them is at least on the market. If we go on the market, even two years ago, it's a two and a half million dollar apartment. Apartments. And then villas. And then two, two, something that like the amount of square footage in any other place in America would be like uh-huh, $200,000. This? And can you imagine Baruch Hashem people have the money to spend? And you see somebody's doing, is just bought one recently and is renovating it. Wow. Can you imagine? You know that dust your psyche when you have nothing? Baruch Hashem, I have nothing. Thank God. I'm like, I have nothing. Right? What I have, it literally just goes out. Baruch Hashem, that's amazing. But can you imagine how unhealthy it is to be constantly seeing and being bombarded with that? It's not healthy. It's not a healthy state of existence because, because human beings are so mushbah from outside Svivo. Outside We're so mushbah from outside surroundings. We need to learn not to be mistakal amash in a shaloi. If you're going to walk, yeah, it's, it's not as fun to look around and do this. It just doesn't help. Yeah, it doesn't help. It doesn't help. So it says like this, someone who does that is instilling within themselves the concept of modesty. Because you're not looking at what other people are doing. Because you're not looking at what other people are doing. And you're not worried about what other people are thinking or what other people are buying. And are, you know, it's a healthier state of existence. You'll be a happier person ultimately at the end of the day. We're so mushed by our surroundings. So this is a big story. This is a big thing in terms of because human beings, we're, we're comparers. We're constantly comparing. There's a certain sensitivity. I think we've mentioned it a few times, but it's important to mention. Obviously, for, for those who it's Negea, it's Negea. If, at a certain age, it's not Negea. But basically, the idea of like having couples meals. Have you heard of this? I think we've mentioned it before, once before. The concept of having couples meals. It's not a yeshivish bentari thing to do, to have young, a young chavra to have couple meals with another couple. What's up, Shad? What's up, Shad? Because we're human beings. We compare. So you see, she sees how her friend's husband is treating her nicely, right? Everybody's, of course, their best version at the Shabbos, right? right? Oh, you see that he passes it, and he does this, and he does that. Oh, you see how sensitive he is, and he's always, always mocked the Torah. How come my husband? Human beings compare. It's not like you're, a, you don't have to be a, a low-level person with low level of morality to understand that, to, to do this. I'm saying, like, everybody does this. We constantly are doing it. We're constantly making chashbonus. We're constantly comparing and contrasting. And it's not healthy for a relationship to be doing that. Ah, of course, is, it, is there a malcolm that you can have a family, family member for sure. If you can have somebody, another family that needs a meal, of course, it's a mitzvah daraisa. But that's, you know, it's a cheshbon and it's something you have to take into account and be serious about it. But what obviously helps is, of course, and it doesn't even need to be spoken out, you should absolutely not be schmoozing or having any, any form of discussion with another person's wife at the Shabbos table. It's posh it, right? It's posh it. You're saying make yourself look really bad, but then what, what, it's not nice to your wife. <laughs> Listen, you, you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want, but I'm not coming for Shabbos. <laughs> and it actually, it, it just happened this past Shabbos. 
where my, oh, this past Yantiv actually, where my wife and I, we had, we were planning on having a very quiet Yantiv. And then it came out like a very, almost like a frantic call to us, where, where one of my wife's students, again, you know, people just, either they just don't know, they didn't think about it, they only realized afterwards, a couple was planning on having a chasen v'kala that are now engaged. And they invited also two other single girls to the meal. So can you imagine for this chasen, right, <laughs> who's engaged, Right, which already is already a kitten kapoodle of just misericordiousness of, of, of you're, you're in a situation where the satan is very very strong. It wants to destroy a shalom, you know, a bias of Israel, and then to also be sitting there at the suda with two other girls that may or may not he may even know them by by the way because he probably were read them. They probably were suggested to him in the, in the shul process. So can you imagine? So my wife gets a frantic phone call and saying like, okay, um, like uh, I don't know why this happened. I don't know whatever it is, but is this okay? Should we be doing this or not? And my wife asked me, I said, no, it's not appropriate. I mean, maybe they need a meal, not a meal. No, we'll take them. We'll have them as guests. Right, we'll have them as the guests instead. So in, from going from a, a more quieter yantif, we ended up having, Baruch Hashem, a lot more guests than we were planning, which is amazing. We, we went out in the end. But the sensitivity stems, and it's important to like, think about it before you invite them, which is understanding that it's an sign that you're creating for somebody, to be sensitive to that fact. Again, but as you get older, and kids definitely help, you know, this family that invited, I guess they assumed, like, oh, we have a baby. The baby's, like, what, like, six months old? I don't know, like, a year old? You know, a baby can serve as a buffer. You know, it's, like, it's not like you're sitting at the suit and it's very quiet. You know, I had experience, I'll tell you this. I had an experience where my wife and I were just, just newly married, and we, lived, we were living at the time in Maladafna. And our next-door neighbor themselves had, like, three kids, but the oldest was maybe, like, five or six years old. And they had us over for, yep, for a Friday night suit. And it was Friday night, and a couple of the kids already had gone to bed. One of them was still up, and he goes and says, Mommy, I have a dirty diaper. Okay, so very fine. So my wife actually had just gone, you know, she needed to like maybe step out to, to, the, to, to the other apartment, to go with, to get something from the apartment. So it's me, the husband, and the mother, and this little kid. The mother, this little kid says, I need a new diaper. I was like, so her mother, this kid's mother goes, okay, I'll, I'll change the diaper. He's like, no, I want daddy to do it. <laughs> so... She's like, are you sure? She's like, change your mind right now. Why? Because what's going to happen? <laughs> if she, he would step away, it's just me and this, and this rabbit thing. And that's, and, and you know, he's like, no, I want daddy. I want daddy only. So of course, kids only make it more, uh, kids only make it more awkward. <laughs> so of course, the father's like, okay. And like, I could see like them looking at eyes like, this is not okay. <laughs> My wife wasn't coming back. I don't know what happened. She wasn't coming back right away. So it's me and this rabbit's in at the table. Now I'm a bent so I took out a safer. And she goes, I'm going to go to the kitchen. And it was like, and like I just sat there. And then, okay. Yeah, owning, owning the awkwardness. It's okay. Because why? Because we understand, because built into the structure of the morality of understanding of Tukush Mataira, that at that stage, there's no, fil- there's no uh, buffer, and it's completely inappropriate to be schmoozing and having any form of discussion with a woman that I'm not married to. That if, that's not Lashem and Lashem. I hope none of this is a Kiddush anybody. And this stuff, again, if you're Mamayit, when you're not being Choymed, you're not looking at other things that don't belong to you, including someone else's wife, can you imagine? There's a particular woman, Shahisa Gidemes. She, had, she was missing an arm. Right? So what does it mean? The Baila didn't realize that she didn't have an arm. Right? This is going to Shabbos. Can you imagine this husband? This is pretty extreme. The husband didn't notice that she didn't have an arm. He didn't even know his wife that much. Now, oh, 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 right. So by the way, the Vilna Goyen says something amazing. Is that when Avram Avinu said, Oh, now I, now I realize my wife is beautiful. It's not sure he didn't ever look at her. Because number one, it's a halacha. You have to look at your wife. 
You have to know what your wife looks like before marriage, right? As we learned, we learned it in Sechus Kedushin. Ah, but says the Vilna the sim- similar we have to Esther, that Esther had a chut shel chesed, that what made her beautiful was kind of like a, a more mystical, supernal beauty. But it wasn't like, inter- like a subjective standard of beauty. So Avram Avinu said, oh, she's a tzaddikis, of course she's beautiful because I'm seeing her tzidkas, I'm seeing her neshama. But how do I know she's actually beautiful? So then there's a medjash actually, it says that, how did he see that she's beautiful? He saw her in the reflection on the water. Says the Vilna Gaon, this idea of chut shel chesed, of this, this, this mystical beauty, only works if you're staring at the person, but not in a reflection. So that's when I remember to realize, oh, I see it even in the reflection. The now reflection, I know. Now I know that she's beautiful. The reflection doesn't have a That's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. But if a person's makhba in their eyes, a person's heart is protected. And now that your heart and now that your eyes are protected, Nimsa Kulay Shamar. You've protected everything on the outside. Because you've never heard before, I'm sure you've heard this before, that the heart and the eyes are like the gateways to everything else. And if you can protect, number one, the stuff that you read, that you don't read Kfir, you don't read Apikarsis, or, or you don't read things that are, that are not to say they're not, are not challenging, because you should be a mature person, but not to read stuff that, that, that is, that, you, that you're not at a stage yet in your life in terms of learning and in terms of stability, to challenge yourself on those things. Right now you have to build a stable existence, stable life, and then you can kind of, you know, think about different ideas maybe here and there, Pakistan Yoyser. Right? But to read things that are that are gonna challenge your Yusoy, challenge your Amuna, like don't read about evolution if you're not bothered by evolution. If you're bothered by it, then we'll have a discussion. But in but before then, don't read Shtuyot that's gonna just make your, your mind even worse. Right? So that's number one. And number two, don't look at things that are inappropriate, because why? Those are the two gatekeepers of how to keep things out of your life. How to keep what things do you do if it's just 